listen to me, America. <laughs> this is Sergey. I am number one hacker for Mother Russia and Vladimir Putin. I have done something very great that is going to give me big butt on the back and maybe promotion. I have hacked America's number one podcast. And now the airways belong to Mother Russia. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Sergey, that might be the worst Russian accent that I've ever heard. But I would encourage you to watch that Harrison Ford movie from years ago where he played the Russian. It is much worse, I assure you. All I do is I take Khabib Nurmagomedov and join it with a little Borat and I come up with this accent. But <laughs> I not control number one podcast in America. Jokes on you, President Trump. You will never, ever defeat Mother Russia. <laughs> <laughs> so you can still listen to this stupid podcast but it is under our control now you stupid Americans bye bye <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so this is a Performex Plasti Dip. Okay, it's a multi-purpose rubber coating uh, that you can spray on just about anything. It's good for spraying on your car, maybe your wheels, blacking out things, you know. And it's cool because if you don't like it, you can just peel it off. So you don't have to paint like parts of your car and go, oh shit, I just fucked it up. You can't fuck this up because you just dry and then just peels off. It's like it's like rubber. It's kind of cool. All right, so they're a sponsor, unofficially, of course. But hey, they're now a sponsor. So if you work for uh, Performex Plasti Dip, congratulations on your sponsorship to my program. And the other item that I have, it's called Well and Good Deodorizing Wipes for my Bulldogs. Okay, quickly refreshes... It says, uh, wait, quickly freshens up your pet. So sometimes my my bulldogs are having that not-so-fresh feeling, if you know what I mean. And you can use these little wipes to wipe their little buttholes or wipe their little faces, their little wrinkles in between their noses. Not after you wipe their butts, because that would be fucked up. You wipe someone's ass and then wipe their face. Never go ass-to-face. Okay, and the third item is hold on here let me tap the mic okay that is extremely annoying i shouldn't do ever do that again okay let me see what this company's name is i i can't even read that it's in some weird little fucking okay it's a super fabric adhesive okay so it's basically glue for your clothes how fucking cool is that right and so this is for like, um, it says, f- uh, fabric adhesive, dries clear and permanent. Oh, it's permanent? Oh, fuck. Hmm. I'm just rethinking my decision to use this yesterday. So uh, I'm taking what's called a DA photo. It's for your military record when you're like applying for jobs and trying to get promoted and all that stuff. You could have a photo of yourself and your and your super snazzy ASUs or what we used to call Class A uniform. And uh, I noticed that my service stripes, how many years of service that you have that are that go on on your sleeve, on your left sleeve. Um, I was missing one, and the DA photo that I'm using, of course, the whole purpose of the DA photo is showing everything up to date. And so I went out and bought a service stripe, didn't have time to have it tailored. So guess what? Used some of this fabric glue, glued the new stripes on so it looked nice and ghetto. And uh, I'm doing my own DA photo. That's how gangster I am. Because uh, you're not supposed to do that, but I got got, uh, the okay from HR that since the DA photo lab is booked up for the next like month, that I could take my own picture as long as it kind of looked like a DA photo. So I went ahead and just like glued that on my sleeve just so it looked like it was up to date. I didn't think it was permanent. I might've just fucked up my ASUs. Hmm. Anyway, they're now an unofficial sponsor. So super fabric adhesive. So do you hear that bulldog barking in the background? I do. Maybe he wants some of his deodorizing wipes. Maybe he's endorsing that product right now. Maybe he wants me to wipe his butthole. You know what? I bet you anything I could use this wipe for my butthole. So even though it has a picture of a bulldog on the front, I might be using those pretty soon. Okay. This podcast, 
Strange Things Are Afoot at the Circle K. I talk about it a lot, about what we talk about, because I'm thinking one of these days someone's actually going to listen to this podcast, and maybe the most current episode is going to be, um, you know, like uh, this one. You know, maybe maybe it's today. Maybe it's today. Because if you're listening to it, it's always today. It's never tomorrow. Okay, so maybe it's today. And you're listening to this for the first time. And you're, you're probably considering um, why the fuck you decided to download this podcast. You're thinking to yourself, holy shit. My life has gone seriously fucking took a way, way bend fucking right turn and it's going off a cliff or why else would I be listening to this inane bullshit but <clears throat> if you are then I like to talk about what this is about so listen up strap in this is what this podcast is about yeah that I mean pretty much nothing and I actually we're in the society and culture section not that, that matters but um it matters to me because I would like to be on that chart of like the top 150. I think it'd be cool. But like every fucking podcast that I see on there is it's like the same formulaic bullshit, you know? You would think in 2017 it would be evolving from certain things like uh you know, TV when I was a kid, you know, you had three basic channels and you had a couple of uh other ch- other channels um but it's pretty much the same programming it's like you had your sitcoms you had your dramas you had your westerns you had, and it was all f- very formulaic stuff and then like uh cable came out and then like hbo and all this stuff and and they started um you know doing a little bit different stuff especially on cable and then hbo started jumping in you know in the last you know decade uh, really but 15 years uh, doing their own programming and and Netflix and all these other things and so we're now TV is so vastly different you can watch so many different types of programs that you would have never seen on TV 20 30 years ago right <clears throat> and podcasts are kind of like in that in that uh, in that first TV era where all the real popular podcasts, uh, minus things like the Joe Rogan Experience and uh, um, I'm trying to think of some other ones that uh, don't really follow follow a particular formula, but uh, you know, especially especially his podcast, you know, kind of set the bar um, for kind of doing things a little bit different. But you know, there's a lot of good podcasts out there that follow a, a specific formula or whatever, but. You hear a lot of other people that listen to that and they're trying to emulate it. I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot. And, you know, I I have people sometimes follow me on Twitter and they'll send me a message saying, hey, follow my podcast and download it and I'll download yours. And, you know, yeah, sure. You know, there's nothing wrong with that because I, I like to listen to other people's stuff. And I've listened to some, you know, pretty good ones and some that were, they weren't bad. They just didn't interest me. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and, and shit on them and say that they, uh, you know, that their mind's better or whatever. Cause it's, it's, it, that's not how I look at it. I look at it as like, um, when you go to a restaurant and you look at the menu, 
what you want is what you want and there's other stuff for other tastes and you know it doesn't mean one's better than the other it's just whatever your tastes are right but i will say that the the uh, in the last week the last couple ones i've listened to they they're trying to be they we've almost gone backwards where they're trying to be fucking radio shows and I was real disappointed in one. I'm not going to call them out because I don't I don't believe in that because I don't want to shit on somebody's fucking podcast because they're they're just like me. They're they're trying to do something either creative or maybe they're trying to make money. I don't know what their fucking deal is, but they were just over uh, um you know like the the big thing is uh there's not very many podcasts like mine. Um Bill Burr was one of the inspirations for this podcast where it's just one person behind a microphone for an extended period of time, uh, just kind of a stream of consciousness, not a lot of show prep, not a lot of nothing rehearsed, nothing scripted. Right. And uh, a lot of podcasts, they like to do the Skype thing and where they have like maybe co-hosts that aren't in quote unquote studio and they will do call-ins and they'll, um, you know, have segments and I, if you're listening to this and that is your podcast, Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, you know, there's a lot of radio shows that do that, but the, the beauty of a podcast to me is that it's not a radio show and it's not formulaic and it's not that, um, you know, Joe Rogan said that his, one of his big influences doing a podcast was Opie Anthony. And Opie and Anthony was a uh, satellite radio show that no longer exists. Uh, individually, they have their own stuff going on. But I started listening to them. My uh, former mother-in-law got me a satellite radio like in 2003 or something for Christmas. Back when you had to like have it installed in your car like this. this You had to have this thing like, um, oh, it was real awkward. You had cords and shit sticking out and you had to plug it like in your cigarette lighter and had this mount you know, installed and then plug it into your fucking car. And it, 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 it was real ugly, you know, and intrusive, but it was cool. It's cool technology. When I first got it, um, and I came across Opie and Anthony and Jim Norton, I was, I was like, man, where's this been my entire life? Because it was just a casual, uh, funny, entertaining show. And, um, that's when I first heard, uh, Joe Rogan, um, as a comedian and he was on that show and he would, and then when he started his podcast, I started listening from pretty much from, from the start. I wasn't a big fan uh, in the beginning, but you know, he got his sea legs under him and he started just blowing it up. And it's by far my favorite podcast. Joe Rogan is one of my idols when it comes to that, even though my dream is to be on his podcast and to get in a debate with him because I disagree with him on a lot of things, but I love his podcast and I love him as a, as a person and as a personality. And I don't even want to say as a personality, cause I, I do think that he is uh, pretty authentic, even, even though, though I don't agree with, um, a lot of his, um, just stuff, uh, his opinions. Anyway, hold on. Let me take a drink of one of my sponsors. I'll let you guess which one. It's not the Plasti Dip, but it might be the Super Fabric Adhesive. I have to take a drink every once in a while because this podcast, I don't take breaks. I don't have segments. I don't edit. 
I never hit stop and go take a piss or anything. I just go. All right. So just deal with it. So anyway, what was I talking about? Joe Rogan. Um, so anyway, fast forward to now, there's so many great podcasts out there and there's so many people doing podcasts and, um, why I want to get on the top 150 is because I just don't see a lot of podcasts that aren't, um, that aren't some company, um, that like I, I was listening to a podcast and I realized that they're part of like barstool radio or something like that. And I'm not saying that's bad or whatever, but it's, but it's a company. It's a, or it's a corporation or it's a conglomerate or it's a bunch of people, you know, it's a podcast, whatever, I, you know, it's, 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 it's not what I think is great about podcasting. It's not why I got into, uh, podcasting. And so I would like to see somebody that like Bill Burr, Bill Burr is a prime example. I mean, he was one of the biggest inspirations for me doing this podcast because I was thinking for a long time, I wanted to do a podcast and I wanted, uh, to find a right, like co-host. I like to talk. Um, so I needed somebody that it was almost like second chair, second fiddle, and all they were doing is saying stuff. And then I could kind of interject my opinions and stuff and, and, and be kind of that comedic sniper. Right. And, and, um, but I wanted to be the, the, the voice. I want to be the, the personality just cause that's my personality. I, if, if, uh, anybody's listened to this and you've talked to me before, I like to control the conversation. I, I'll interrupt a lot. Um, you know, I just, I don't, I don't do well with those social cues of like, Hey, it's not turn to talk. It's not your turn to talk yet. Motherfucker. Just listen. It's like, what is this listening you speak of? So ultimately I decided, um, after listening to Bill Burr's podcast that he does a really good job of just him. And every once in a while he'll have his wife on or every once in a while he'll have a guest. And I was like, yeah, I'm not opposed to having a guest or I'm not opposed to having uh, someone else there. But but I'm so interested in him and his take on things. Um, even though I'm not a comedian and I'm nowhere near as interesting as him or uh, have the mind that he has, I, I did feel like I could carry my own podcast as far as I didn't need... Um, you know, someone else to like, okay, now you talk so I can take a break sort of thing. Um, so anyway, I was listening to this podcast and these guys were, were talking. I, I'm assuming one of them was over Skype or something because you could tell he wasn't in studio. And they had a guest and it was a guest that uh, that I've seen on YouTube and stuff like that. And the, you know, their, their, their questions weren't uh, super provocative. And it was pretty much like standard questions that everybody already kind of knew the answers to. And, and they really didn't get, they really, really didn't utilize the guest to the full potential. Um, I mean, pretty much the only reason I downloaded this, this podcast was because of the guests that they had on. Um, but anyway, after the guest hung up, they talked back and forth and they were talking about technology and one of them was saying, you know, they didn't know how to use the iPhone calendar and the other one. And I swear to God, for like five minutes, they're talking back and forth. Like, it's like you you are a fly on the wall in a tech support company. And one guy was like, no, you got to open. Okay, open the calendar. Now share it with me. Okay, now enter something in. Did you see it on your end? No, I didn't see it. No, you got to go into your settings. Okay, 
So I go into settings. Okay, now now hit that drop down. Okay, no, find calendar. Okay, now now hit share and now now share it with me. Okay, I'll wait. Did you do that? Yeah. Okay, enter something in. Can you see it? No, I can't see it. Now what you need to do, and they did this for like five minutes, and finally they're like, hey, let's let's fix this offline. And uh, we'll, we'll, you know, I don't want to waste any more time on the podcast. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm driving right now. So I really didn't want to have to like, while I'm driving, try to turn off the podcast and turn something else on. So I was just listening because, you know, I drive a lot. So I'll just turn it on and listen. And I was thinking to myself, man, you might, you know, that five minutes right there of just, you weren't trying to be entertaining. They weren't trying to be funny. They didn't try to make that into something because their podcast is a very specific genre. And so um, they weren't really talking about that genre. So I listened for like 25, 30 minutes probably. And they really, um, they didn't really, uh, they talked more about promoting their podcast and about t-shirts they were trying to sell. And then they were, you know, had a guest on for five minutes and then did this tech support shit. And I was thinking to myself, this is, this is too much like a bad radio show. Um, so I probably won't be listening again. And and then it kind of freaked me out because I was thinking, man, how many people have listened to my podcast, especially early on, and they listened to it for five minutes? Well, I know some people have because uh, Stitcher on their analytics, you can, you can look and it'll show like what the average listening time. And I, when I first, my first couple episodes is like, five minutes was like the average listening time. And I was like, oh shit, man, I, I need to come out of the gate fucking guns blazing or something. But, you know, we're still trying to figure it out. And uh, I'm not criticizing those people like I'm better than them or that I know something that they don't. But if you're listening to this and you have a podcast, um, you know, that's that, that's good feedback of what to do and what not to do. I've I've had some feedback already. I've had some people message me on Twitter and say, Hey, I like this, but I wish you did this. Or I like one of the, one of the criticisms I get is I don't say where I'm from. Um, and I don't, I don't get into depth what I do in the military. And this is why now I, I mentioned it on my first episode, but if, if you're listening to this for the first time, um, I'll explain it again. I'm in the military and, uh, I have a, a security clearance and I deal with, um, you know, a personal identification. I, I deal with um, some sensitive, um, we call PII, things like that. I don't, I don't, bottom line is I do not want to say something on this podcast that is going to make it crystal clear who I am. Because if I say something or that doesn't jive with military protocol of an active duty service member, I, I just don't want, I don't want JAG to fucking get pissed that, uh, or my security clearance be in jeopardy because I'm using my real name. I'm saying, this is where I work. This is the state. This is the city. And there be some kind of conflict of interest with my civilian job. Cause that's how I make money or not my civilian job, but my military job in the, in the real world, this podcast pays me zero money. I pay my bills by the military. So, you know, I don't want to fuck with that. So 
that's why I use a nom de plume. I use it like an alias, basically, on this uh, on this podcast. That's why I don't talk about what state I am in, in my particular line of work. I think I've mentioned it before. It slipped out in one of my one of my episodes, the, my actual job. I used to be an infantry guy. Uh, I used to do some sniper stuff. I used to do uh, some Bradley fighting vehicle stuff. I used to do uh, some just regular dismounted infantry stuff. But now I'm doing what we call a pogue job. I, it's, uh, it's a desk job. But, hey, it is what it is. I'm a little bit older now. I don't need to be doing that infantry shit. So that's why I don't get too specific. That's why I don't say where exactly I'm from. I say I'm from a very red state. And it's somewhere in the middle of the country, okay? It's the Midwest. How about that? And that's that's all I'm going to get into it, you know? If I didn't um, work in the capacity that I do, then I would, you know, especially if I wasn't in the military, I'd be using my real name. I'd be telling everything, you know? But it's it's just not pertinent. It's not important to know where I live. It's not important to, you know, if my name is Joe Blow or Jack Black or fucking Fleep, you know, Jones or it, why was it fucking matter? I'm not, I'm not anybody. So it's irrelevant. Okay. So I understand your criticism. I understand that you want to know a little bit more specific, but that's why I'm vague with that kind of stuff. Now it kind of goes into the, the topic of this podcast. Now, every podcast that I do has, um, somewhat of a theme. And then I just use that theme and kind of, um, you know, go from there. And just see where it takes me. I don't do a lot of show prep. I don't do a lot of um, writing stuff down or um, rehearsing like a script or anything like that. Um, so, you know, the subject matter of this or the topic of this podcast is the allure of the military. In the last week, you know, we shot some missiles into Syria uh, I've seen a lot of people give opinions uh, back and forth online and kind of back to what I was talking about before is what is this podcast about? And I said, it's, it's about nothing. Well, one thing it's not is I'm not a political podcast. I'm not, I'm, I'm not in the political section because I don't want to talk politics, but I use some things that are happening in the world and maybe as a jump off point of talking about maybe a broader subject. And I was listening to some of the podcasts I listened to, and a couple of them are like military podcasts. I, I enjoy those They're for military members. But what I don't want to do is, is have the stamp of this being a military podcast, um, where it's just for like inside jokes for military guys. You know, one of my other criticisms I've, I've gotten is that when I talk about military stuff, that maybe I use um, nomenclatures or acronyms that. I'm not dumbing it down enough for people that aren't in the military. And I apologize because I, I try not to do that. It's actually a, a a pet peeve of mine. I hate it when military guys are just like, well, you know, Met TC and fucking, you know, SITREP and SIGAX. And, and they're using all the, you know, like Met TC is an acronym for, for mission uh, enemy time terrain uh troops and civilian considerations on the battlefield. So if you hear someone say that in the military, everybody knows what that means or sit rep is situation report, you know? Um, or when someone says I'm Charlie Mike, that means continue mission and Oscar Mike means on, uh, on mission. So you hear those, those terms all the time. And, and a lot of people try to say it to kind of sound cool, 
you know, I'm, I'm Oscar Mike at this time, you know, and they, they'll say that like in video game chats and fucking, you know, whatever, but it just means I'm on mission. Uh, you don't say that over the radio, use what are called brevity codes. Um, but that's kind of inside baseball and I don't mean to do that. I'm not trying to be the cool guy that knows military lingo. So I apologize. I'm going to try not to do that, but, um, so I, I don't ever want to just talk about the military on this podcast because I don't want it to be stamped as is just for like veterans or military people. I want to be the bridge between people that are civilians and people that are in the military uh, because I think I'm a little bit of both. The, the, the branch of the military that I, I think I, I said that I'm in is I am in a component of the army. It's called the National Guard. And I am an active duty member. A lot of people don't realize that the reserve components of the military also have active duty soldiers. Um, Like you might have a state that has uh, 5,000 people in their National Guard. You might have five to 900 of them are active duty soldiers. Um, Are, you know, your your unit full-timers, your people working in the pay branches, your your commanders um, of like recruiting battalions and and uh, what we call training NCOs and readiness NCOs and supply guys and just a lot of shit, okay, to, to make the military run. So even though the National Guard trains on the weekends, there's got to be full-time people that, that do all the planning and all that shit of that. That is the branch of the military that I'm in. It's a component of the army. So that means army regulations, army uniform, we do army shit. I always say that we do what the what the army does, but the army doesn't do what we do. For instance, every bit of training that they do to be certified as like an infantry guy, I had to do the exact same training. Now, I might not do it as long as them. Um, maybe they'll go to the field for, you know, a couple weeks where we just do it for five days, you know. Uh, but we had to do the same tasks that they do as far as the qualifications. Um, when we're doing our weapons qualifications, for instance, you have to do what's called a day fire, a night fire, and what's called an MBC, your nuclear biological chemical attack. And we have to do the exact same thing. They might have three days to do it. We have one day to get it all done. So um, that's the that's the biggest difference between. Now, you're going to have veterans. They're always going to talk shit. And say National Guard, you know they're nasty girls. That's that's one of our uh, one of our um, nicknames, I guess. Uh, but no active duty guy hates the National Guard when we're relieving them from a combat zone. <laughs> so when I say that that we do what they do, is I do everything that those active duty soldiers do. I've done it uh, in training and I've done it in combat. But they don't do what I do because I've also done hurricane relief. I've done tornado relief. I've done wildfires. I've you know, uh, I've done civil unrest. I've, um, I have riot control training. Um, I'm a certified instructor in what's called pressure point control tactics. It's like a week long course that police officers go through. You don't do that on active duty unless you're like an MP or something. And I don't even know if they do it, but we do something completely different because our, our mission is completely different. Every branch is unique. And, um, I'm not here to, you know, Matt Best does a great, a great, um, he has a great YouTube channel that, you know, talks about like special operations, uh, rivalries and stuff like that. And if, if you've never set foot in the military, you have to understand that we're trained to, 
to be in conflict. And so when there's no conflict, we're going to have conflict with each other, either other branches or in the branches, the different jobs within those branches or different components of those branches. That's just a normal thing. Military likes to shit on each other. And you got to give it as well as you get it. And so I'm cool with somebody, you know, talking shit on the National Guard or talking shit on the reserves or talking shit on the Air Force or whatever else. Because when the rubber meets the road, you know, uh, when you're downrange with those guys, meaning you're you're overseas, when time someone says you're downrange, that means usually it means an overseas combat deployment. Everybody's the same. You know, I, it's not like when I fought the Taliban in Afghanistan that they that they have like a National Guard equivalent Taliban. <laughs> they didn't say, hey, these guys uh, are the National Guards, so go easier on them. That's not how it fucking works. When I played basketball in high school, I was on the, I was on the sophomore team and later the JV team. You know, so you're playing like a lesser caliber. That's not how it is when you go to war. When you go to war, you're going to war against another side and... They don't give a shit if you're one week in a month or you do it fucking full time. Um, so anyway, that's why I say I do what they do. They don't do what I do. All right. And that's not a, I'm better than them. It's just there's a there's differences within the branches, kind of like the Marines um, when, you know, they they fight in a lot of wars and stuff, but they also do humanitarian aid for foreign countries. We do the exact same thing in the National Guard. Um, sometimes we, we go overseas for, um, we have partnerships with countries and we, we help them train soldiers and stuff like that. But we our humanitarian aid. We focus on the United States and that's why it's a, it's a proud organization because first and foremost, we're there to protect the people of the United States first and, uh, protect them from natural disasters and civil unrest and everything else within these lands and, and then where the army's back up when they need us, uh, to go overseas. So, um, anyway, just thought I would start off with that. So I don't want this to be a military podcast, but you know, I've been in for over a decade. So, uh, a lot of my life and a lot of my experiences are shaped by the military. Anytime that you've, especially if you've been to combat it shapes you and it changes you and you're never, never going to be the same afterwards. So the, the topic of this podcast is, you know, 34 minutes into it, it is the allure of the military. And I got thinking about, um, when I was listening to a podcast and, and listened to some conversations on Twitter, of what the people that haven't served in the military, they don't understand what the allure is to joining the military. And a lot of times civilians get it wrong. A lot of times they don't understand. They don't understand why someone would join the military. They don't understand why someone stays in the military. And they don't understand um, why their personality is how it is by being in the military. Uh, Pause for station break. I am now drinking some NOS. Talks amongst yourselves. Okay, refreshing. So one of the uh, people I'm a big fan of is Tim Kennedy. He's a UFC fighter, well, retired. He is actually in the National Guard. People don't realize that, the Texas Army National Guard. Um, he's a sniper. He's Ranger qualified, and he's uh, in, I, I believe, 19th Group uh, Special Forces. And the dude's a fucking stud. 
Okay. He's awesome. I love him. And he's outspoken. He's super intelligent. He has a college degree, like a lot of special forces guys, a lot. Of, and be honest with you, a lot of people in the military in general, it's not the military of the, of the thirties, forties and fifties. We are a very intelligent force. Um, but with that being said, you know, I, I, I love Tim Kennedy. I do not agree with everything he says. Um, but I respectfully disagree with certain things, but most, I would say 75% of it, he's, he's spot on with how I feel about stuff. Um, he has definitely deployed and, and been overseas a lot more than me. Um, so I definitely, um, when I hear his opinions, uh, I always take that into account, right? Is the level of experience that you have. So when you're talking about the allure of the military, and especially, very specifically, when you're talking about young men, men, young men, 16, 17, 18, that's, those are the people that are kind of drawn to the military. And the military loves those, those, um, that age of young men. And women, I, you'd have to ask a woman, but a woman joins usually for different reasons. Men, on the other hand, uh, okay, first off, we're going to kind of tier it of people that join the military. And I'm going to exclude the people that are joining for some job or benefit or money or something like that. Now, we all want the benefits. We all use the benefits. We all, you know, um, you know, I've used my GI Bill, all that stuff. But, but that's not why I joined. And so I'm going to kind of exclude those people. So the people that join for what's called service to country or for adventure or something like that, especially young men is because we really don't have anything in our society that kind of puts a stamp on you are now a man. The army, or I should say the military as a whole, especially the army and Marines, I would say, um, well, it's pro- probably all the branches except the Air Force. But when they go through their basic combat training or boot camp, whatever you want to call it, depending on what branch you're in, it it will forever change you. It forever changes you is because it it really does change your perspective. And this is how important. Uh, basic training and boot camp is. You talk to a veteran, you talk to anybody that's gone on four or five deployments and they've been in for 20 years, they they still tell stories about basic training and about boot camp. Because it's 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 a significant experience because it is it is a bookmark in your life. There's before basic and there's after basic because you're a different person. You really you, you know you really are. A lot of people say that military brainwashes you. They they uh you know, convince you, uh, they, they think you're, they're brainwashing you into propaganda and all this stuff. It's not that it's that they get you to understand the bigger picture and why people in the military do what they do. Okay. And I'm going to try to explain that. But when you first go into basic training, the, the first thing they do is they try to erase uh, the civilian side of you, meaning all your bad habits, all your dependency, all your creature comforts, all your weaknesses. And they try to just erase that. 
And they do that by destroying you physically and mentally, uh, waking you up early, depriving you of sleep, depriving you of food, uh, some of the higher level training like your buds, your um, uh, Q course or your uh, selection, um, ranger school, they do it to the extreme, right? But everybody in the military is sleep deprived uh, when they're going through their basic training. All of them are sore. All of them are getting what we call smoked, which means uh, they're making you do exercises until you can't do them anymore. All right. That's called being smoked. If you hear someone say, I got smoked, it means somebody fucking told him to drop and do a bunch of push-ups or flutter kicks or mule kicks or whatever until they couldn't do them anymore, right? And that's just the way of life in the military. Everything is everything that they do to discipline you is about being is is they always try to break you down mentally and physically because if they if you are broken down physically, if you've ever ran like a long distance, you know that when your body starts to hurt, your mind starts to hurt too. That the if if physically you're weak, you're it's a lot easier for you to be mentally weak, especially if you if someone's making you do something physical. So th- that's why they do that. It's not abusive. It's not hazing. It's none of that shit. And it's it's to the point now where basic and boot camp is just not the way it was. And every generation, it changes. And I'm not saying that you can't progress, that that drill sergeants and drill instructors should be able to beat the shit out of you. I'm not, I'm not saying that. There's certain things that need to evolve, you know, sexual assault or sexual harassment or, or you know, it's like any other business or any other job. But you cannot take away the allure of what basic training and what boot camp is. And that allure is that you are going to be put in a tough situation and you're not going to like it. And those drill sergeants are there to protect you. They're there to make sure that you're safe, but they're not there to make you comfortable and they're there to find your limits because most people can never find their limits unless someone someone else has to find them for them. Because if you're at the gym and you're working out and you're doing stuff, if as soon as you feel like you're about to be injured, you're probably going to stop. And so most people never find their limits. They need someone else to. And even guys like Tim Kennedy, I can almost guarantee that he needs he can't find his limits either. That's why as a UFC fighter, he has coaches, he has trainers, all that stuff is because someone needs to push you. And when you're in the military you get pushed. There's a lot of, there's a big structure there of people that are pushing you past your limits. When, when you would quit, if you're there by yourself, they push you past that. And so when you get out of basic training, you're a different person because you are less scared of the world after basic training than before. If it was done correctly. Okay. If it was done correctly, you just feel like, you, you feel like a, a cold-blooded killer, like you could take on the world. You feel like there ain't no shame in my game. I can, I can handle whatever the world throws at me. So that is the allure, especially for young men, is, is that it gives you purpose. It gives you direction. It gives you so much confidence. 
that's why people that run into like military people, if you're by a military base and you go to a bar and there's a bunch of army guys or Marines or Navy or whatever, that sometimes that they have too much bravado, too much testosterone, too much, all that stuff. And, and, and some people it's a, it's a big turnoff for them. Right. But it's because of what they were made into. And you got to understand that if you look back 500 years, 1,000 years, 1,500 years, that's the way our society always was, is we always had something that young men could go into and you could focus them into being a man and turning into a man. And that is something that we have lost in our culture, is you're not allowed to be a alpha testosterone filled pussy loving America flag waving man that's looked down upon am I right I absolutely believe I'm right is you can be gay you could be a feminine you could be a beta you could be um, you know, transgender, you can be a female, you can, you know, be soft spoken, you can be emotional, all these things are good. Society says, Oh, that's good that you cry. Oh, that's good that you're sharing your emotion. Oh, my God, you, you know, um, you came out of the closet. That's, that's fantastic. And, and oh, that's so brave, right? But, but nobody says, you know, really rewards, men doing men shit anymore right it's looked down upon it's it's chauvinistic it's it's anti-feminism it's it's uh they, they see it as a black and white thing and i've noticed in my experience that there's just a, there's a lot of young men they're still drawn to the military is because that's the one place that you could go. Now, I don't know how basic training is now because I haven't been in 10 years, but it was the one place that you could go. When I joined and I went to infantry basic, a man could be a man. When I went to basic training, no women were allowed in the military or in the uh, in the infantry. And I'm not saying, you know, just don't, don't take that out of con- context, but there was no women there. So you didn't have to worry about what you said, what you did, how you acted. You were just free just to be a man and just be a, a dude. Anymore, being a man means you got to watch a fucking video, an HR video or in the army, uh, a sharp video that shows if you look at a woman for too long, that that's sexual harassment. That you're not allowed to be a man and just look at a woman that you're attracted to. That's looked down upon. As you, if you say certain things, they're called aggressions. Or college kids like to say microaggressions if you're like, you know, passive aggressive. Well, if you're a guy like me, I am not passive aggressive. I'm what you call aggressive aggressive. I'm in your face. I say what I mean. And, and I can't tell you how many times that I get a weird look from people because of the shit that comes out of my mouth. And people wouldn't look at me like that if it's 30 years ago. How do I know that? Is because, you know, uh, my grandpa and men of that generation, they'd say the exact same shit. 
maybe not with as many cuss words, but they would say things very directly and very um, uh, intentionally, and they they wouldn't get the same response. Now people don't like that, okay? They don't like men that are men. So I believe that one of the allures to the military for young men is that that's a place where it's it's celebrated to be aggressive. It's celebrated that you have testosterone going through your body. That somehow that that I have to respect, you know, somebody that's like, "Hey, they're in a man's body, but they really feel like a woman on the inside." Well, guess what's on my inside? It's called testosterone. And I can't help that it makes me aggressive. That's one of the traits. I can't me- help that it makes me grow bigger muscles that it, it it has a tendency to make me want to reproduce or to be attracted to females or if I see um, you know an attractive woman that I would look at her you know or God forbid went up and talked to her you know that's what sexual assault now if you fucking like try to hit on a girl I don't know I'm married so I don't do that well, at least my wife doesn't think I do but I don't I don't I don't live in that world anymore but it'd be scary as shit trying to be a man anymore, you know, um, uh, uh, that kind of man where you have to worry about everything you do. I'm not talking about Bill O'Reilly slapping girls on the ass and calling them, calling them up. And what did he do? He, he called uh, some chick up and was like, I'm masturbating right now. You know, it's like, I'm not talking about that. They ain't, they ain't man shit. That's, that's, that's pussy shit. M- men don't do that. Send dick pics, all that stuff that that's not a man thing. That's just an immature thing. There, there, there's a difference, okay? And sometimes people confuse the two. A man thing is taking responsibility of saying, hey, I'm the one that is like, for instance, in my household, I mow the lawn, okay? I take care of the house. If the car breaks down, I try to get it fixed. If my wife needs something, I try to, to do that. If there's, a, if there's a wasp in the house, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill it for her. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay? Men want to have a purpose too. We want to be that protector. We want to be that provider. There's a lot of us that still want to be that. And that's the allure of the military is we get to be that. Okay? I don't know what I would do if there's a wasp in the house. My wife's like, how dare you think that I'm weaker than you and that I can't take that wasp out myself. Get the fuck out of here. You know, but she's more of a traditional female where she is secure in being a female and being feminine. And I'm secure in being a male and being a man. And so our relationship works very, very well. You know, but now in 2017, everyone has to redefine the gender roles and all this shit. And I don't, I don't understand why, unless you want to, if you want to, Man, go fucking go at it. You know, have your dick swinging through your fucking pencil skirt. I don't give a shit. But if you want to be a man and do man shit, there ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, the military, you get to do that. You get to shoot shit. You get to blow shit up. You get to fucking blood, bleed, sweat, get smoked, talk shit. It's fucking awesome. Because there is something inside men that we need to get that out. And then past that, it gives you a purpose, that camaraderie, 
to understand that there's things that are bigger than yourself, to understand that um, you want to be different than, you don't want to be a sheep. You want to be a sheepdog. You want to be the one that's, that's on the front lines, so to speak, literally and figuratively. Okay. It means one of the allures to me is my opinions, they have consequences. Because I believe something like, hey, I believe that the war in Afghanistan is just. Well, that opinion is now tied to something because now I'm going to Afghanistan. Now I am put in danger. I am putting my family uh, mental health in danger. I'm putting my physical health, my mental health, my financial health, my freedom, everything. I'm putting it on the line for my opinions and my beliefs. Even though, let's say, the Iraq war, a lot of people did not agree with that war. But the people that fought in Iraq, even if they didn't agree with it, you know what they agreed with? They agreed with the Constitution they agreed that the president runs the fucking country and they agree that as an American soldier, they took an oath to defend the American people. And the American people decided we're going to our Iraq. The American people did. The American people did. The American people did. You understand that? The American people did. They voted. They elected people. They allowed Congress, the Senate, the president to go into Iraq. You get what I'm saying? And so that's what I do. That's what soldiers do is they follow orders because we understand that there's a time and a place to criticize. There's a time and a place to stand up. And there's a time and a place that you got to just follow orders. There's a time and a place where you have to do the job that no one else wants to do. We took an oath to serve the American people. And if the American people said, hey, you're going into Syria to fight a bunch of fucking Syrians, you might not agree with it. You might not like it. But that is the, that is the point is that teaches you something about being a man. And then taking responsibility and doing things that you might not agree with, doing things that you don't see the benefit and believing in something higher going, okay, I'm going to put my trust in something bigger than me because it's not just about me and my personal views. Because I'm telling you right now, if you have a view about Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, and you've never served in the military, then I guarantee that your opinion is wrong. I guarantee. You might have the correct answer as far as a yes or no answer, but the why. Remember, that's the important thing. It's not the answer. It's not getting it correct. It's like if you guess right on a math equation, it doesn't mean you're smart if you don't know how you came up with that solution to that answer. So if your opinion about Syria is correct in the sense of we should or we shouldn't do this. If you've never, ever been outside this country and been to a country like that, then you, then you don't understand. You don't fully understand. You have to put yourself 
in danger. Sometimes you have to do that. And let me explain what that means. If that means I don't agree with going into Syria, why would I join the military and go into Syria? Well, like I've said before, I've said this on this podcast, it's important if you don't agree with something, you would think that you would want that responsibility because you would know what you would do and what you wouldn't do. Okay, so if you're listening to this podcast right now and go, I would never kill men, women, or I would never kill women and children. Cool. Then you should join the military so when you get sent overseas and you're put in that situation, you know that you're not going to do it. So you just saved at least one or two or 10 or however many in that situation, men or uh, women and children, because you're in that situation and you are more so morally superior that you would never do that. That is what somebody that actually takes accountability and somebody that actually wants to be invested in their opinions, that's what they do, is they put themselves in that situation. If you think teachers are fucked up, then become a teacher and change it from the inside. Nobody changes shit from the outside. And that's what one of the allures of the military is, is you, no matter how small, you have an impact on the world. And the shit that you see on the news You have impact. You have impact in what you do and you have impact in what you say because people will respond differently to your opinions when you have gone through it. I can talk, you know, listen to to, uh, President Trump talk about um, Vietnam prisoners of war and then talk to John McCain. Who the fuck are you going to believe more? Exactly. And so there is a, a drive in people, certain people, that they want to have a higher stakes to their opinions. The keyboard warriors and the Twitter trolls and all the people that make the nasty YouTube comments and shit like that, those people aren't it. Because I guarantee Tim Kennedy is not going on people's message boards and flaming them over 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 shit that he's never experienced or Matt Best or some of these people who have actually put their life on the line. They back up their opinions with their actions. And even if you don't believe in the military, guess what? Those are the people we need in the military because then then maybe you can see it from the inside, get that perspective, and if you still think it's wrong, then you can play a part in changing it, but you're never changing it from the outside. So young men, especially, that want to serve their country, they, they, they want to, uh, to, to, to do that. Their opinions they hold a little bit more weight. They put their money where their mouth is. For or against the war, they still had to do it. I mean, isn't that what life is? Do you do everything you agree? So you don't agree with taxes, so you don't pay them. I don't like that my light bill went up, so I don't pay it. Man, these are shitty TV shows. I'm not paying my cable bill. I mean, is that what you do? No. You got to work from within the system. 
Because if you if you just don't pay it, then no one's going to give a shit what your opinion is. But if you are, if you're contributing to the pool, then then guess what? If you're a good citizen, uh, then your vote matters, right? Your voice matters. So that's probably, you know, what the one of the bigger allures to the military. You know, the the physical challenges are probably what's next. Is a lot of young men they want to they want to challenge themselves physically. You get out of high school, and if you're not a professional athlete, there's nothing there for you to do to challenge yourself. That's why young men fight, and that's why that's why young men uh, get into trouble sometimes because they're they're wanting that challenge. They're wanting something that shows I want to go toe to toe, mano a mano, and win, lose, or draw. It's going to teach me something about myself. So the military, you can do that without consequences. You don't have to worry about, you can beat the shit out of each other in some kind of competition. And at the end of the day, you're still battle buddies. You're still friends, right? So challenging uh, yourself physically is a big allure. Okay, so, and I would say the 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 next one is is that adrenaline rush. There's no adrenaline rush like being in the military or what you can get in the military. Not everybody. If you're, if you're a finance officer, right, your adrenaline rush is not quite there, right? But if I guarantee if you talk to like a special operator and guys like that, um, they've, they've reached adrenaline heights uh, like no other. And I would definitely say I'm in that category because I've definitely been in some fucking hairy situations overseas. Some fucking like no shit, shit your pants, literally scary situations. And I can tell you right now, that's one of the reasons, the biggest reason why people don't understand or there's a misconception about people in the military is because when you experience that, you can't just come home and just live a regular life anymore. It's very difficult. And if you're a young man, I was I was blessed enough to when I experienced that I came home and I was in my upper 30s. And so I just had the the maturity to to deal with it probably a little bit more constructively. Uh I still went out and bought a fucking motorcycle and and drove as fast as I could on the highway without a helmet, but you know, you I, I I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that I dealt with it more <laughs> maturely because I definitely made did some stupid shit when I came home. But when 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 you're a young man and you deal with that and you come home, it's uh, it's addictive. And there's probably nothing more addictive than adrenaline. And you cannot get that adrenaline high anywhere else. You just can't. And uh, the best description of the military that I've ever heard, and this isn't me coming up with it. Someone someone else said it is the military's extreme boredom peppered or sprinkled with extreme terror. And that's especially your combat arms people. I mean, 99% of your military career, you are hating life for no other reason than you're just bored. I'd rather get smoked than be bored. And anyone that's ever deployed knows what I'm talking about. When you're sitting in a fucking terminal for literally days because they won't tell you when your fucking flight is, when you're leaving country or coming into country, uh, baggage details, uh, pre-mob, 
um, redeployment when you're coming back home and you got to go through all the bullshit and all your stupid briefs and, oh, it's, it's, it's fucking so frustrating. That's probably the number one reason people get out of the military, but why they stay in and man, we would have record fucking numbers of people in the military coming into recruiting offices. If it was just streamlined where it's like 75%, you're doing cool, fun shit and 25% of boredom. But that 1%, that 1% that's not boring, it is the most extreme and exhilarating feeling you could ever have. And I'm telling you right now, if you're listening to this and you've never been in the military, I don't care what you've done in your life. You have never experienced this, okay? There's no greater feeling than the bullet that missed you, okay? If, if, if you're listening to this, you know what I'm talking about, you know, then you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, then you don't. But there's no greater feeling than knowing that you were inches away from death and that you did something or maybe uh, years of training paid off. And not only, and then if you take it up a notch where not only did you dodge death, but then you implemented that death on someone else that was trying to implement it on you, it's a feeling you can't describe, you know? And and uh, those are the people that get criticized probably the most by people that haven't served is, is um, people that actually say I've been to combat and I pulled the trigger and I didn't feel anything except joy, <laughs> you know? Because people want to sit there and put the stigma that you're inhuman, but they don't understand how human that is. There's nothing more human or more primal than that is taking a life. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go bite into your fucking hamburger and come back. Okay, the hamburger used to be alive, motherfucker. Okay, somebody, I mean, human existence is about that. Life and death, quite literally. Nobody is sitting, listening to this podcast right now that's not a product of someone else killing somebody else. Okay? <clears throat> so if you, I don't care what country you're in. You are the product of, of someone killing somebody. Your freedom in your country is the product of that. No matter if it was a civil war, a revolutionary war, a world war, whatever. Because if someone didn't, if someone decided they're going to take the high ground and not kill somebody, then you would probably be in an internment camp or a slave or something else or living in a terrible situation. So that's just part of being human. And war is part of the human experience. It just is. Crack a fucking history book if you want to debate me on this. And so there's nothing more exhilarating and nothing more primal than something wanting to kill you and you killed it. And so the adjustment period when you come home is tough for these people. You want to know why? It's because society, once again, tells you you should be ashamed of yourself if you feel joy that you're not dead because the person that was trying to kill you, you killed them that somehow that they want to politicize it and be like, well, you know, they, they want to just tie so much shit into it. And I'm telling you that all the politics go out the fucking window. Go watch Black Hawk Down. One of the greatest quotes in that movie is, is you know, 
after that bullet, that first bullet uh, snaps by your ear, all the politics go out, out of the window. And that was his answer to one of the Rangers asking him if he thought that they should be in Somalia. It's like, what do you think? And he's like, it doesn't fucking matter because after the first bullet fucking flies by, all the politics go out the window. And that's the truth. It really doesn't matter why you're there. Once someone's trying to kill you, it's either you or them. And until you've gone through that situation, you're not going to know what I'm talking about and you're not going to have respect for it. And you're not going to respect the people when they come back and they have to deal with that. And, and I'm sorry to say, but how they deal with it isn't always bad. Sometimes they are happy and that's okay too. You don't have to fucking be depressed. So much PTSD is because of civilians is because civilians don't know how to treat the people in the military when they come back. And so they fucking sit there and shame them or they ask them fucking scary questions that frighten them their answers are frightening to them, right? So for instance, like the worst question you can ever ask a veteran is, have you killed somebody? And it's not because necessarily it will traumatize him. But if you ask Tim Kennedy right now, hey, Tim, have you ever killed anybody and you've never served in the military? You might be frightened by his answer. I know this because I've seen him post certain things. And when I say that is because he might not have the same feelings about killing that individual that you think he should have. And it's unfair for you to say that because you've never, one, never been put in that situation. And two, you've never had his experiences to understand that. And so you shouldn't have an opinion and you shouldn't be asking that fucking question because you have no context that you, you can't compartmentalize because when you asked Tim Kennedy or you ask any veteran uh, or you ask myself, hey, have you ever killed somebody? In your mind, you're thinking about you as a civilian. Have I ever killed somebody or could I ever kill somebody? And you're always equating it to just shooting some random person or stabbing some random person or choking or whatever sick fucking thing that goes through your head. But you've never put been put in a life or death situation. It's like me saying, have you ever killed a dog? And you go, I could never kill a dog. But you would have a different response to that question if one day you came in your backyard and a pit bull had your fucking toddler by the throat, right? And you jumped in and fucking murdered that dog and did whatever you had to do and killed that fucking dog, beat it with a stick, shot it with a gun, whatever, right? And so when I say, wow, that person killed a dog, well, that's not really in the right context, is it? No, that person saved their toddler from a dog. There's, there's a difference, And so the allure of killing someone isn't what you think. It's I want to put myself in the most extreme circumstance where if I don't perform correctly, the consequences are not only severe, it's death. It's not detrimental to my career. 
I no longer exist on this planet. Th- that there's an allure to that, and you're 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 lying to yourself if you don't admit that there's some truth to that. So the allure of putting yourself in the extreme situation of life or death, because in this life in America, for most people, unless you live in a really shitty neighborhood and you're really poor and impoverished, your life is so fucking easy. And people want to remember what it's like to have to push beyond your limits. And if you don't, you're dead. The ultimate test. And when you survive it, trust me, you see life differently. You come home and you're forever changed. And that's why people have a label called PTSD. Whoever came up with PTSD, they probably aren't a veteran. Because post-traumatic stress disorder, it's not a disorder, it's just what happens. Something changes you. And in my opinion, it's not for the worse. It's for the better. It is an awakening. It is an awakening more than... I've never done psychedelics, but I guarantee it fucking rivals anything else that you could do as far as something that's an awakening. It it wakes you up and makes you appreciate things. And that's an allure. I'm telling you, young men see that And they hear those stories and it's not about killing. It's not about, um, it's not about that. Maybe for, you know, one, you know, one half of 1%. But for most people, it's about, I want to test myself. And the only time you feel ashamed is when you come home and everyone else tells you, you should be depressed. You should feel ashamed. You should be, oh my God, how are you? How do you deal with that every day? Uh, you know what? I fucking don't deal with it every day. It's something that happened. It's something that shapes me, but it's not a bad thing. I did what I had to do. It's no different than a fucking dog that's trying to kill me and I killed it. I'm not going to fucking wake up in a cold sweat every fucking day thinking about that dog. I'm not going to lose sleep over a dead fucking dog that tried to kill me. Now, you should lose sleep if that dog is just sitting there fucking, you know, panting and, you know, wanting you to throw his toy and you kill him, right? But that's not what happens in war. Now, there's a whole nother segment of people that have done things that maybe they regret and reprehensible things. And, uh, and, and that's a whole nother fucking stuff. But I'm not talking about that because people always put it in one category. People always put it in the, oh my God, you're traumatized. And I'm telling you right now, I've been on missions where horrible, horrible, disgusting fucking things happened as far as um, people getting their fucking guts blown out all over the fucking streets. And within 30 minutes of being back at the base, we're playing Call of Duty and going to the fucking chow hall. I mean, it's I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that it's it's not always it really depends on the individual and it re- Uh, depends on the context and the situation okay the rush of that you can't you can't compare with that and it's unfortunate that um 
you know, it, it the, probably the, the hardest thing is you do that when you're a young man and you come back home and, and what do you do with the rest of your life? If you don't have education, if you don't have experience, if you don't have um, some philosophical understanding about who you are and what your purpose is, um, sometimes you lose direction in your life is because there, there wasn't a higher purpose to what you were doing. I'm not, and I'm not necessarily talking about God or something because I don't believe in any of that shit. Um, you know, one of my pet peeves when people say, you know, the whole, uh, you know, everyone's an atheist, uh, no one's an atheist in the foxhole, right? Well, fuck you. I've been put in that situation and I, I'm still a non-believer. So fuck off, (laughs) you know? Um, yeah, it's, uh, and if you believe something, Hey, you know, teach their own. I don't, I don't have any knowledge that you don't. So it's just, uh, you know. If Jesus plopped down right now and subscribed to my podcast, I would probably believe in him. So, all right. The, you know, the, the allure for these, for these young men, um, it sometimes bites them in the ass because they don't have that purpose uh, when they come back to really, to really go, okay, I I experienced that. Now, how am I going to propel it to make me uh, shape my opinions about the world and, and be kind of a, a voice of, of um, be a good voice for people. You know, Tim Kennedy is is that. He's uh, this is why I love Tim Kennedy, even though I do not agree with a lot of. Uh, I don't want to say a lot. Like I said, seventy five twenty five. I agree with seventy five percent of his his stuff. And I'm not saying he's wrong. It's just my perspective is is different than his. Um, this is why I love him because he talks about it. He's not ashamed of it. He wears it on his fucking shoulder. He 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 he's not an apologist. I'm telling you, I have so many friends that they feel like they have to apologize for their military service. I mean, that's so fucked up, you know, that we're doing the dirty work so other people don't have to fucking get their hands dirty. You know, back in Vietnam, we're forcing people to do that shit that didn't want to do it. And now we decided as a culture, hey, the same fucking 1% is going to do all that shit. And now you get, get to sleep well at night while my buddy is at alcohol rehab because he doesn't know how to deal with that shit. You're welcome, America. We don't make you guys do that. We don't fucking draft you at your asses anymore. So at the very least, you can have some compassion to those veterans that come back. And understand why they wanted to go to begin with. And understand, especially why young men are drawn to that. Because our culture is so... Um, is, is just this, this sanitized... Um, sanitized of all male influence of, of when I say male of alpha male, like I'm a wrestler, I'm a football player, I'm a hunter. All that shit is looked down upon now. Aggression is looked down upon, you know, confidence, uh, talking shit, you know, all that stuff's looked down upon. Young men need an avenue for that ain't going away. If you have testosterone pumping through your fucking blood in your veins, you're going to need an avenue for that stuff. Okay. Our society needs to have more of that. You know, I think it'd be awesome if they had boxing in, in high school or martial arts 
is because young boys need to do that shit. It's okay for them to punch each other in the face. They need to do that because nothing makes you more of a man than not punching someone but getting fucking punched in the face. You're not a man until you've been punched in the fucking face because it humbles you. It, it, you respect it. You understand how much it fucking hurts and when you do it to somebody else that, it, that now it has meaning. Now when you punch someone in the face, you knew exactly what was going to happen and they deserved it because you would not just abuse that power because you know how much it fucking hurts. You know the consequences to it. That's why it's important. I'm telling you, the first couple times you get punched in the face, if you're a bully, when you get fucking blasted in the grill a couple times, it will make you less likely to bully because now you understand that it's a cyclical thing. You punch someone and someone can punch you back. That you don't want to. It's like the nuclear option. You got nukes, I got nukes, and neither one of us are going to use it. That's, that's kind of what it is. You look at any martial arts, I guarantee Tim Kennedy, one of the biggest badasses uh, in the UFC before he retired, he's not going around beating people up, random people up. You you show me the last time uh, a UFC fighter was in the news for just getting in a bar fight. Um, probably not since Tank Abbott, right? I mean, that those people that can do that, they don't need to fucking prove it. It's a good thing. Some of that manly shit, quote unquote, it's a good thing. We need more of it in society. Okay, more, not less, more. Okay. All right, so hopefully, um, you know, I'm uh, an hour and 20 minutes in. Hopefully this enlightened you to just why some people are are driven uh, by the military, especially young men, especially. Purpose, direction, uh, doing something bigger than yourself, feeling like that you are a man, you're having these great responsibilities and that you are answering the call to something that is so big, so scary, and you don't back down from it. Nothing makes you feel better than knowing that you face that and you came out on the other end. So even if you don't support the military, even if you don't, you don't understand it, you don't, you know, you gotta, you gotta support the people for doing that. You, you have to understand that it's a, it's a growth experience that a lot of people need. If you're not the alpha male type, if you're, you know, there's nothing wrong if you're a beta male, if you're more sensitive or whatever. I'm not saying there's something wrong with that, but you can't say there's something wrong with the other end either. Okay, we need all of those things in our society. We need the sheeps and the sheepdog. The sheepdog doesn't have a purpose without the sheep. You get what I'm saying? And, that, and I'm not trying to be derogatory like somehow, you know, that you're lesser or more, uh, you know. Hey, we need all different types in our society. But we don't get to the point where you don't f- try to understand that it's not just, oh, that guy's wanting to be a badass. He's wanting to be a killer. He's wanting to, he's wanting to act tough. And he's, you know, it's, it's, it's not what it's about. Okay. All right. That will pretty much conclude this podcast. Please check me out on Twitter, a foot podcast at Twitter, a foot podcast.com, a foot podcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of this. Please subscribe. Uh, please hit the little starry thing, the fucking and rate me. Um, and 
I'm assuming it helps on something on iTunes. I just want to get in that top 150 as a making no money, have no corporate backing, having no real sponsors. Well, um, and except NOS and Caveman Coffee, of course. Hmm. Ah, it's delicious. I want to see this podcast climb. Just a regular guy, regular people to me, make the best podcasters. If you're listening to this, I'm telling you, if you want to do a podcast, fucking do it. Just do it. I have a MacBook right here in front of me or an iMac. Um, it has, I'm using GarageBand. I have a um, Blue Snowball is what it's called, brand microphone with a windscreen. Uh, I got some uh, headphones and I just hit record, man, and then export it as a fucking PDF, get a website, fucking host it, submit it to iTunes, man. It's easy. Easy. It's fucking easy. Do it. If for no other reason, I don't care if anybody fucking listens to this, um, but me, I will get something out of it. I get more out of it if I the, if I have more listeners, obviously, but I'm doing it for me. If I have zero listeners, I'm still going to do it because it's this is like a diary for me, basically. Um, so thank you for the support. Thank you if you guys uh, subscribe to it. Thank you if you just listen to it one time and it's not for you. Man, thanks anyway, because I like getting my voice out there. Even if you disagree with me, uh, I still love you unless I see you on the battlefield and then I'm going to fucking kill you. Peace out. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.